Hello, Slate Plus. How are you? That's interesting. Really? Hmm. That is it. She said that? <laughs> wow. Well, you know, she's been through a lot recently. Okay, Slate Plus, we are going to talk today about uh, how you explain this election to your kids. I always feel somewhat inadequate to these conversations because I really generally do a pretty poor job of explaining anything to my kids. And so I'm going to throw it to you, John, because you've written about this. How do you explain this election to your kids? Well, the only part that I wrote about was the returning home from the second debate. Um, and, you know, whenever I come back uh, off the road, there's a little, you know, ritual where we catch each other up, my two kids and me. We um, Anne wasn't home. I don't know. She was off doing something useful. Um, we were going back and forth about what was going on anyway. And then we talked about the debate and my kids had some understanding of what happened with the Trump videotape on Friday. And then some also understanding of it, the role it played in the debate. Yeah, the conversation moved very quickly, obviously, into the question of locker room talk. And my son's 14, my daughter's 12. And I was very conscious of the two different audiences, my son about what is expected of a man, and then my daughter about what the world, how the world sees women relative to the story that Donald Trump told. And so as I started to explain what locker room talk was, because obviously they've been in locker rooms, but they haven't been in that kind of locker room. And they definitely haven't been in the sad strange room, if it even exists, where men boast with glee about sexually assaulting women. So I figure, how am I going to get there? And the greatest thing is my daughter totally saved me and interrupted me. Well, so first, what it reminded me of was that conversation you have to have with kids when they're very young about, you know, if they ever feel uncomfortable being touched by an adult, like that that's okay, and that that should never happen. And that like, you know, only a nurse and only if she asks you first. Because what's uncomfortable about that conversation was you had to introduce them to this yucky idea that somebody might touch them without their consent in order to gird them against such a possibility. So I figured, okay, we're headed into another one of those conversations to introduce them to the idea that men sit around and talk about women in this, in a certain way, different, obviously, than the way in which Donald Trump was talking about them. Anyways, I'm kind of rumbling down that runway. My daughter t interrupted and was like, no, but the difference is between talking and saying dirty words about women and talking about touching women in the way you told us no one could ever touch you. And I was like, exactly. <laughs> so what was illuminating about that and what I ended up writing about is obviously there was an effort to fuzzy up that distinction to say, well, this was just locker room talk, which is to say the way in which men objectify women and talk about their conquests or imagine conquests or the conquests they'd like to have, which is a part of the stupid male behavior and the very distinct separate and I think based on conversations with men and my own personal experience, extremely rare, if not like almost vanishingly small conversation of men who boast about how their fame allows them to grab women whenever they want in their most intimate places. And then I realized nobody has, or I don't think anybody of like sufficient stature has stood up and said, you know what, actually, if I had a son who was in that kind of locker room where somebody was boasting about uh, grabbing women against their wishes, repeatedly and using it to elevate their social stature, I'd want them to either speak up or like just not hang out with those people. But it does, it's confusing, I think, norm the idea that actually people do 
talk this way, and I just don't think anyone does. No, and to tell, well, wait, when you say this way, what do you mean? I don't think that there's any significant group of men who talk about committing criminal sexual assault yes. against women. That's yes. In they, private, that's right. That's even what I mean. when they were their broiest bros. Yeah, I agree. It's hard to make that distinction clearly enough. This is a situation which uh, hopefully, God willing, no child of ours will ever be. Well, maybe this is wrong because it, no, no child will be placed in a situation where they will actually hear conversations like this or be subject to it or have to deal with it. But then again, Emily, I'm sure you were about to cite the wonderful Kelly Oxford project where she mm -hmm. asked people for their to tell the stories of their sexual assaults. And it just seems that every not every woman, but an enormous number of American women have been subject to sexual assault. So that's what it was in my mind with my daughter was like, you both need to be on guard against this. And also, I have just now introduced you to the idea that somebody who's running for president claims that this is just what guys do, which makes it seem, as you say, normalizes it. It makes it seem like the conversation they're having when they're not in your presence is one in which they're talking about sexually assaulting you. Right. And actually, that's not true. That's not but true. once you introduce yeah. that idea out loud, it's hard to put it right. back in the box. Right. I actually think the reaction has been fairly heartening in trying very hard to to put it back in the box, which is to say that that Kelly Oxford stream was amazing and it and it's true. I mean, I think almost all almost all the women and girls I know have some experience of having had a man grope them or like rub up again. There's just, I mean, for me, I associate this with the bus. Like this is something that has happened on the bus and it's gross and disgusting and you don't want to feel at all like the men you love and trust have anything to do with this kind of behavior and i never have thought about it that way before and so i think it's been really important how many men have come forward and said no this is not how people talk and it's certainly not how people behave and i've especially appreciated the men who have done that without citing their wives or their daughters or some other female relative because like that's really irrelevant you you know you should be condemning this kind of behavior for the sake of men um i mean i feel like it's incredibly important for my sons to get that message but given the, so how do you emily make sense of the fact that huge numbers of women are victims of it with the simultaneously true fact that the men in your acquaintance probably are not actually having these conversations. How do those two facts, which is that this is this kind of assault and harassment is nearly universal, how does that live with the fact that men say they don't actually talk about it? Is that men do it but don't talk about it? Can so, I just, so that we act well, but we don't speak? I'm so sorry. I just wanted to throw in one little tiny thing without letting it get away is that um, – what Emily has described, which is a more uh, – that, that broader, more common thing, is still not what Donald Trump was describing. He was not saying, you know, I brushed up no, against somebody. he was not. He was saying my fame allows me to wantonly right. – right. So right. I'm just, I just right. – I'm, I'm so in the, in the mode right now of not letting the distinction get fuzzy in any possible way. I felt like I had to interject. Yeah. I mean, I guess my answer to your question, David, is that there are some creepy men, and I don't know how many of them, but they're not the norm. They're not the majority. And they do, they have, you know, more than one female target or victim. And so that's like how I square that in my mind. Yeah. I guess the other thing I'm, I think for at least, so my kids are teenagers. They're 13 and 16, and they're really interested in this election. And it's so 
dark in its vision of America and of the depths that it's now in, you know, the Trump campaign's view, acceptable to stoop to in order to try to rally your base. To me, that's like the bigger challenge is trying to recall a kind of democracy that, you know, was obviously flawed, but didn't look quite this out of control. Because of course, there's also a way in which we're all mesmerized by what a train wreck it is and talking about it a lot and looking for the next crazy thing to happen. Almost like, I mean, mostly I find it it brings me to the brink of despair. But I do think that when it's over, while we're going to have this collective sigh of relief in future contests, which I really hope don't go off the rails this way, are we going to have our like entertainment, you know, appetite been so up to that, you know, my kids are going to think it's really boring the next time when it's like hopefully a normal election. I've tried to just go back to what they (laughs) what the actual parties believe and the differences in worldviews. I've just tried to get away from the people and to the because they're being introduced to these ideas kind of sometimes for the first time about the differences between the two political parties and that there are real and honorable differences between the two of them and that those shouldn't get lost by the by the presidential campaign in which those differences are not being discussed at all in which everything else is. I think also, you know, what gets lost is that if, you know, putting yourself in the shoes of the other person and the other party and the, in the, in the, in, in, in a debate, when the debate is about the past sexual behavior of a former president and the ongoing sexual behavior uh, of the Republican nominee, it's very hard to sort of say, well, put yourself in the other person's shoes. You know, it's, it's hard to teach the empathy and seek understanding in a person with whom you may disagree when that's the nature of the conversation. All right. Goodbye. Slat plus. We'll see you. Oh my God. That was my Julia Turner pronunciation. See you soon. Bye. Slate plus.